Hi everyone, this is Bethany Kopachek, and welcome to Moms on Mission, the Bible study that will explore how to follow our sending God as stay-at-home moms. Together we will learn about why and how we can spend our days and our lives intentionally on mission with Jesus as mothers. Hi everyone. Thanks so much for joining me for our last session of Moms on Mission. As I mentioned last time, today we're really going to get into the practical day-to-day walking out of all these concepts that we've been studying and talking about. But before we jump into a long list of examples and ideas for you to consider and hopefully get excited about, first I want to take a moment to talk about making room in our schedules and in our hearts and in our minds for this intentional living on mission. John Wesley famously said, Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you can. So before jumping into these practical ideas on how to pursue people with our lives, I wanted to give a few ideas on how moms and families can free up more time and resources to have available to spend in the first place. Last year, my husband pointed out that God made six days for work and one day for rest each week. In this season of life with young ones, Josh and I have usually treated both Saturday and Sunday as days to just have fun with our kids, work on projects, or visit family. But we definitely have routinely viewed Saturdays as ours to spend on whatever we like. My husband took the lead on beginning to intentionally work just as hard on Saturdays, taking the kids for large chunks of time so I could work on different mission-related projects or invest in relationships outside the home. And the productivity and rewards from this have been astounding. Now that I have this mindset of Saturdays being a sixth workday, I also have a much easier time emotionally letting him be free to go work on missional projects or other things as they come up on Saturdays as well, rather than feeling that I deserve a break from being the primary caregiver to the children. This is not for everyone, but if you're looking for more time to invest in missional activity, you might just consider Saturday 8 to 5 as a work day for the kingdom. Another sort of category of ideas about how to free up more time and resources would be that of our houses. Houses can be a huge time and money pit. So intentionally make decisions regarding your house that leave the most time and resources as possible free to spend on things that will impact eternity. What this actually looks like will be between each person and the Lord. But some examples include purposefully choosing to live in a house that is much smaller than you could afford, limiting upgrades and house projects to only what's necessary for functionality, or purposefully living a minimalistic lifestyle so you have less possessions to maintain and keep organized. So many people seem to have their time often consumed by painting projects and their stress levels are high from having rooms redone and much of their money going towards whatever house or yard project is next on their list. In this age of being able to know what is happening all around the world, 
We know there are so many countries where people are literally starving to death, living day and night in deplorable conditions, dying from preventable disease, and all this without even hearing the good news of Jesus. We know God's heart is for his people to care for those with physical needs. So perhaps picture those people in India or Africa or even an inner city in America when you're making decisions regarding your house on what to purchase and what projects are necessary. Then intentionally give your excess to alleviating those physical needs, whether overseas, in a city nearby, or even in your own community. This was how the early church functioned as well, seeing their possessions and land as belonging to God and his body, and using them in whatever way was needed to take care of one another. Acts 2, 44-45 says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. We should strive to live life looking through the lens of eternity, recognizing what has eternal value and what does not. Be intentional with your money. Be willing to surrender anything the Lord might ask you in order to free up financial resources to spend on the kingdom. Practically speaking, this may involve eating out less, giving up daily Starbucks or other expensive drinks, having movie nights at home instead of seeing things at the theater right away, buying mostly secondhand clothing and toys, skipping the hair salon and cutting your own kid's hair, going without a regular mani-pedi, only vacationing to places where you can stay with friends or family in order to cut out room and food expenses, being content with a functional house rather than a Pinterest-worthy house, and there are many more. Some of these seem small, but even the small things add up quickly. Again, this will be totally different for each person, and none of these things are necessarily bad in themselves. These are just some ideas of things you might choose to lay down to free up more resources. Also, make room for the Holy Spirit in your heart and mind to better hear and recognize His directions and to receive His help. While singing Joy to the World last Christmas, I was struck by the line, Let every heart prepare him room. I felt his gentle nudge to be more intentional about doing this in my life. Again, this looks different for every person. For me, I knew I had been allowing my mind to escape too much lately. While errands and neighborhood walks and play dates with friends are exciting when on mission, for me, the less exciting part is actually the majority of my days, which are doing the daily mom tasks of cleaning and homeschooling and cooking and training my kids. I know those things are such important work with huge eternal impacts, and I love my children deeply. But for me, the hours and days of those tasks can be very long. My temptation then is to escape from my reality through watching movies or YouTube, snacking, reading, scrolling on Facebook or Pinterest, painting, texting, things that aren't necessarily, again, all bad in themselves, but the problem is I'm using them to numb my mind and not have to be fully present in my reality. The Lord has really been encouraging me to grow in this area. There are multiple times in scripture that followers of Jesus are warned to stay alert. The book of 1 Peter alone contains three of these warnings. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. 
set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Then chapter 4, verse 7, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. And in chapter 5, verse 8, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. When I am more disciplined in staying fully present in what is going on and leaning on the strength of the Lord and finding a joy sourced in Him instead of in those other escapes, I find it is drastically easier to have eyes to see things above and how God is moving and ears to hear the Holy Spirit's guidance and a heart that has room to receive the goodness of God in the midst of challenges and just daily life. It, of course, also blesses my children in huge ways to have a mom fully present in their reality as well. And I am much better able to engage with them in a way that pleases the Lord when I am fully in the moment. So let's also strive to live in light of eternity with how we spend our time. What has eternal impact? Loving God and loving others. Practically, this means prioritizing relationships, first with God, then with others, above all else. This does often involve some amount of sacrifice, both for you and for your family. But God is well aware of this and says in Hebrews 13, 16, And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. There are endless ways the Lord may lead you to live this out. It may be foregoing your normal home routine for a day if an opportunity comes up to help and bless someone outside your home in a way that requires a lot of time. For example, making and delivering meals to someone who needs them, or babysitting the neighbor's kids because they had an emergency come up, or spending a lot of time on the phone helping a less privileged friend get connected with resources. Or maybe you only watch Netflix on a few certain nights each week in order to free up those other nights to have focused prayer time with your spouse, to seek God's direction together. It could be ordering pizza instead of preparing that healthy meal that you so carefully shopped for and planned for because a neighbor needed to talk all the way through your dinner prep time. It might mean deprioritizing me time in your life or not taking a nap when logic says you need one in order to follow the Spirit's prodding to go encourage someone else. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25 tells of the blessings of living with this mindset. It says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Some of these ideas may seem extreme, but as Francis Chan says in his book, Crazy Love, quote, There seems to be something wrong when our lives make sense to unbelievers, end quote. If the world does not understand why we live so below our means on purpose— or why we're willing to spend a few precious hours of free time helping a neighbor clean their garage, or why we forego sleep and wake up early in the morning just to pray and seek direction for our day, I think that is a good indicator that we're living with our eyes set on things above, which Colossians 3, 1-3 instructs us to do, saying, 
Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So, how might living on mission look in normal day-to-day life for a stay-at-home mom? I'm going to give you a list of just a few practical ideas and not in any particular order. Playground ministry can be huge. It's a great time for your own children to practice being a light for the Lord. And it is also a very easy opportunity for you to interact with other parents. Pray in advance before you go to the park that God will bring someone to minister to, that he will give you a word to say to someone who needs encouragement, and that he'll give you eyes to see what the Holy Spirit may be doing there. If possible, intentionally go to the same grocery store at the same time on the same day of the week. Then keep in step with the Spirit and see what workers or regular customers you might start to build a relationship with. Use social media for good. It is very easy now to reach out to people we've had previous relationships and connections with over our lives and might have lost touch with, or people we may have been only distantly connected with in the first place, and maybe the Lord is now prompting you to reach out and pursue them. This virtual mission field is a very compatible one for stay-at-home moms. People have never had this chance before in all of history to literally reconnect with almost anyone we've ever known. Let's use it. Again, leading with prayer is always crucial, as it could be overwhelming to figure out who to reach out to. But the Holy Spirit can direct you to who might be most ready to respond to being intentionally pursued for the sake of the gospel. Hannah Moore gave this suggestion to join a secular moms group. There are tons of lonely moms looking for mom friends and for friends for their children to play with. It's usually pretty easy to find groups in your area. And I did try this once when I only had two children, but I was in a place where I was exhausted and spent and looking for encouragement myself, and I was so disappointed that literally about 50% of the group conversation was the women complaining about their husbands, and the other 50% was complaining about their children and their lives as mothers. So I never went to another meeting. But now I see what a light a spirit-filled mother could be in that space. If it's possible, it may be wise to join the group with a fellow believing mom, as Jesus sent his followers out by twos when they were going into more challenging environments. Make the most of holidays. This is another great one for kids to participate in. Go Christmas caroling in your neighborhood or at a nursing home. Bake Christmas cookies or Easter treats and deliver them to neighbors. Make and deliver or send Christmas cards or valentines. Invite non-believers to join your family's holiday celebrations. Bring a plate of Thanksgiving food to a neighbor that may be spending the holiday alone. Make a big deal out of people's birthdays when you find out about them. Use every excuse to show extravagant love to those around you. If your children, or you, enjoy making cards, be intentional about sending get-well cards whenever you learn of someone fighting illness or injury or cards of encouragement to anyone the Lord lays on your heart. One ministry that my family participated in growing up was at a local nursing home. 
My family led a worship service there once a week, but there are many other ways to bless those communities. When I had three young kids, my sister-in-law worked at a nursing home and invited us to come go room to room and visit residents, or to participate with them in different activities. Another sister-in-law of mine takes her children and her animals to be an encouragement at her local nursing home. Usually you can Google the contact information for the activities coordinator at a nursing home near you and see what opportunities are available that way. Look for opportunities to offer to pray with residents. Show them the love of God by listening to them and treating them as the people of great worth that they are. Cover your visits in prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to move through your visits. Get your kids involved in buying groceries to donate or volunteer together to make food for local community kitchens. In the fall or the winter, you can take your kids thrifting to buy blankets and hats and gloves for the homeless spending the cold nights outdoors. You can also have them help you keep an eye out at garage sales in the spring and summer for tents, sleeping bags, coats, backpacks, and candles to donate to homeless ministries. Make blessing bags to hand out to the homeless that you pass in your car. Ask their name, and then with your children, pray for that man or woman by name as you drive away. On a practical note, some ideas of what to include in these blessing bags are chapstick, socks, large band-aids, a small amount of money, wet wipes, breakfast bars, water bottle, a handwritten note, which could be written by a child, lists of homeless resources, which you can often find at your local library, and then pack all these items in a big clear Ziploc bag. Grab any opportunity you can to offer to pray for those in your sphere. If the Holy Spirit prompts you and gives you faith to pray for healing for anyone you see that is sick or hurting, offer to pray aloud for them. If a neighbor or unbelieving friend shares a problem with you, offer to pray over the problem with them. Many times, even people who may balk at attempts to talk about Jesus are receptive and grateful to being prayed for. And your kids can also join in and pray with you, and you can encourage them to offer to pray for their friends as opportunities arise as well. At a conference I attended when I was a teen, one of the speakers challenged us with an idea. He said, whenever you go to a sit-down restaurant to make it a habit to always tell the waiter or waitress you're going to give thanks for the food and ask them if there's anything you can pray about for them. And this idea has led to several very meaningful encounters over the years. Use sidewalk chalk to write encouraging scriptures or song lyrics or uplifting pictures with or without the help of your kids. You can do this on sidewalks of your neighborhood or walkways around playgrounds, pathways at parks, or wherever the Lord might lead. Over the years of playing outdoors in our neighborhood with our kids, we've found that the 4.30 to 5.30 hour, at least in our neighborhood, is the prime time for relationship building with neighbors. There are tons of people arriving home from work during that time, and the ones that feel like connecting know that the kids and I are always ready for visiting, and many times we'll come over for conversation. If we're walking around the neighborhood at that time, many people are also out taking walks with their dogs after the workday, and kids are getting outside after school and homework. So many spontaneous conversations happen that way as well. I've learned to plan lots of meals that I can prep early in the day so that I don't have to go inside to make dinner just as all the neighbors are showing up and wanting to talk. 
So perhaps you can figure out if there's a prime time where you live and intentionally spend time out in the neighborhood during that time and see what the Holy Spirit does. Use your home and land purposefully. God has given these gifts of a home and a yard to use. So always be looking for ways to use them to pursue people and further his kingdom. More specifically, be intentional to show hospitality to unbelievers, those without many friends or family, and those without means, as Jesus has shown us that this is the heart of God. Luke 14, 12-14 says, Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet... Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Monica Gayen, the mother who wrote the article Stay-at-Home Disciple Makers that we heard from in one of our earlier sessions, also compiled a list of practical ideas. There's a little overlap with what we've already discussed, but I really wanted to share a few of the ideas and the scriptures that she used with them. Number one, during errands, have conversations, ask for prayer requests, build relationships, buy groceries and meals for others, and pray for creative and spontaneous Christ-exalting love. And she quotes 1 Corinthians 15, 58b. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Number two, engage others during activities with your children. Be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have as you watch your children swim, slide, and swing. Be a presence in the neighborhood in which God has placed you. We have opportunities to rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, and to be the aroma of Christ to them all. And she includes 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 14 and 15. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. And number three, make yourself available to your literal neighbors. Be more intentional in our own yards as neighbors walk by hungry for truth, often without knowing it. We can gladly give away toys and snacks for the joy of other children to reveal to them and to their families that our treasure is in heaven. We can share the word of God, confident that it will not return void, even when we cannot see its actual impact on others. And she names Isaiah 55:11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. I was listening to an interview with author Rosaria Butterfield, who was speaking on the subject of hospitality. And she used a phrase that really stuck with me. She said that some of these intentional things we may be called to do are simply, quote, a formal start to an organic rhythm down the road, end quote. A lot of these things we've been talking about can feel uncomfortable, are countercultural, and will likely not feel natural at all at first, and that's okay. 
For some of us, moving towards a lifestyle of living on mission as moms may begin as one or two very specific first steps of obedience. It may be writing down one unbeliever's name each week on your calendar to reach out to in friendship in some way. It may be intentionally planning to invite someone over for dinner every other Friday. It may be daily praying as a family for your neighborhood. It may be sacrificing a certain amount of time or an activity in order to dedicate that time to seeking the Lord's direction for your next step. Whatever it is for you, I encourage you to take that step or steps that the Lord lays on your heart, however big or small, comfortable or uncomfortable, natural or unnatural they may seem. We can trust that God has these steps planned out for each of us to take and that he has equipped us to have everything we need in him to accomplish his purposes. As it says in Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I know we've gone over quite a bit today, but there's one last thing I wanted to talk about, and then we'll go ahead and wrap up the study. What do we do when we really don't feel like spending ourselves and our time and our lives on these things? We're human, and those days and seasons inevitably will come. I'm going to share one more quote from Hannah Moore about how she responds when she experiences this. She says, quote, When I sense in my heart that I am cold or numb in my heart towards certain people about them even needing the gospel— I've started to pray that God would break my heart for those who don't know him. Because to be without God is to be without hope. And that's an awful place to be. And when I pray that, he has done that. I want to cry over people's lostness. And I want that to propel me to love them. End quote. Oh, I can testify to God answering that prayer. When my husband and I first began consistently praying for the lost people in our lives, we were so surprised at how much more invested we became in those we were praying for. For some people, we had started praying simply as an act of obedience and to be in line with the Lord's will because we know it's his will that none should perish. But we were not expecting to begin to feel so much more compassion and love for these people overwhelm our hearts, which then brought us to a place where we were ready and eager to jump at any opportunity given to us to spend ourselves for them and to show them God's love. It may feel overwhelming once you begin to open your eyes to all the possible ways to live on mission with your kids and to see all the people in your life that need the Lord. Jane Vanderstelt also acknowledged this, so I'll give you a final quote from her as well. She says, Quote, you can't possibly meet all the needs of every person who crosses your path every day, all the time. The needs are constant, and for many, if you give an inch, they'll take a mile. But God will rearrange your schedule as you are dependent on Him. He'll bring people into your life, He will remove people from your life, He will reorder your day, He will change your plans. This may seem scary. But in this life of faith, this life on mission, God has surprised me by ordering my days in ways that I never could have anticipated or manipulated. And I've found at the end of each day that he's built in me a greater trust in him through all this. End quote. 
the most important key to following our ascending God as stay-at-home moms is to remain in Him. All the theories and concepts and lists of ideas in the world are completely worthless if we are not connected to the vine. In John 15, 4-5, Jesus says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The Lord has made us each with unique gifts, placed us in unique spheres of influence, and has unique plans for each of us. We have to spend time with our God to know him and to be able to know when, where, and how to follow him. 1 Peter 4, 10, and 11 says that each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. These verses, again, encourage us to not limit the gifts God has placed in us for the building up of our family alone, but to use them to bless whomever we encounter and to do all things through Christ and in his name. Whether we're speaking to our husband, our children, our church family, or to unbelievers, we should be speaking to all as one speaking the very words of God. As we serve our immediate family, or the body of Christ, or those walking in darkness, we should do it with the strength God provides. In wrapping up, I would like to share a song with you. In the 2020 Christmas special of The Chosen, Mandisa debuted a song entitled Get Used to Different. The first verse is from the perspective of Mandisa during the unsettling year of 2020. And the second verse is from the perspective of Mary processing what the angel just told her about having a child. And then the chorus is God's response to both of their questions and fears. Don't you see that I'm doing something new? You can trust that I'm working for your good. I'm not doing what you've seen before. My favor is on you for so much more. Do you perceive it? Get used to different. Well, I found the entire song very deep and wonderfully written. The line that jumped out to me immediately was, My favor is on you for so much more. It was one of the phrases that really inspired the whole idea of this study. God has designed women to be godly wives and mothers, and God's pleasure and favor is on us when we faithfully live out those roles. But then, my favor is on you for so much more. If God is putting a call on your heart to go after him and participate more in the work of the kingdom beyond your own home and family, I hope you can now see that you are free and equipped to pursue that calling right where you are as a stay-at-home mom. Finally, one more quote from Francis Chan. In his book, Letters to the Church, Francis points out, quote, Only months after calling his disciples, Jesus sent them out. This doesn't mean they were fully trained and mistake-free. It shows that sending was part of their training. Jesus didn't teach in a classroom setting. 
They walked with him, and they were sent out by him. End quote. As we step out and follow our sending God, I have total assurance that we will experience more intimacy with him, more of his power in our lives, and more ability to hear and walk with him. My prayer is that this would also be a huge blessing for your children as they both witness the example of a mom who's spending herself on the things of God and also as they join you and use their own gifts to point people to Jesus. I encourage each mother to be ready and willing to follow the Lord in whatever way he may call you and to wherever he may send you. Let's go out and live intentionally as the moms on mission that we are. 